Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo was developed by Ocean of America and published by Ocean Software in the United Kingdom at the beginning of October 1993 and in the U.S. at the end of October of 1993. Oh, how... <laughs> I know, right? Tables have turned. Then across the EU and Australia in December of 1993. Crazy. And then finally published by Jaleco in Japan in June of 1994. Oh, wow. Okay. It takes a little while. Very rare late release <laughs> for the Japan uh, fans of Jurassic Park. Oh, how the turntables. And if we haven't talked about them before, Ocean was a UK-based developer, and that's why it came out there first. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, they were started in 1983, and they made lots of games for all of the early computer systems, such as the Armistrad, the Commodore 64, Amiga, those kinds of things. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, license titles too, right? Yeah. Now, as far as the older systems were concerned, I do remember, and this was what they were really most well-known for, especially on the Commodore 64, was that a lot of their games were released on tape. Okay. Especially in the UK. Uh, tapes were super popular over there, but they were, you know, semi-popular here as well. And tape games, when you would load them, would sometimes take 10 to 15 minutes to load up. Sure, yeah. But they had a cool system where they loaded a tiny program first that would show you like a repeating series of images and a little tune. Okay. So while you're waiting. Yeah, while you're waiting. And there was like six or seven of these like little songs that became super popular amongst the fan base because, you know, that's way better than just staring at nothing. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but as you said, many of the games they did make were ports or arcade conversions early on, but mm -hmm. also tons of licensed games. Yes. Uh, so many movie properties. I, I'm not even going to list them here. <laughs> And now, sadly, in 1996, they uh, disappeared as they were kind of folded into infogrames. Oh, okay. But uh, this game, Jurassic Park, was Ocean's biggest game to date when they made it. All right. They had the largest crew working on it. And apparently, they paid six figures for the license to this game on the Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Now, I don't think they had as uh, deep a working relationship with the crew of the film. Oh, right. Compared to the Genesis Jurassic Park team? Yeah. Nor did I see any, uh, you know, news of trips to any dig sites, but I think that's fine. One other note uh, that I thought was pretty interesting is uh, you may have noticed and been very confused by, as I was, letters placed around the game. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> and those uh, are part of the Great Dino Hunt uh, promotion that they did for the U.S. version of this. Okay. And basically, you were supposed to find all the letters in the game. And then they would you would uh, jumble them and figure out what they spelled. And if you mailed in the correct answer, the first person to do so would get five thousand dollars. Oh, crazy! And it spells Doctor Horner. Okay. A character not in the game or the movie, but in a real life uh, paleontologist that was like a a consultant that they used on the sure, dinosaur sure. stuff. And it was actually solved uh, two days into release of this game. So. Oh, oh, man, I was hoping it was still out there. Sorry, man, you will not be getting that $5,000. 
Well, Nick, what kind of game is Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo? Well, Eric, it's well, it's an overhead action adventure game, but it also has some first person shooter elements. Yes, it does. And when you are in the overhead portion of the game, you can jump. It's a surprisingly good jump for an overhead perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's not the most useful. Really, it's just jumping over a few barriers, it seems. But And that lake you wouldn't think you should be able to, or river. But it is a nice long jump. It's easy to handle. It's not too awkward, and they don't ask a lot out of you from it. Right. Uh, but you also have a gun, because just like the Genesis version, whoever watched these movies or read the books came away with the fact that Dr. Grant loves shooting dinosaurs. <laughs> they must die. And many of them will at your hand. And uh, <laughs> in your hands, you have two sets of weapons. Yeah, you have like a primary and secondary weapon, basically. Yeah. Both with uh, ammunition. Which we'll get into in a moment, but I also found yeah. that a little confusing. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and you have like the heavy weapon and your other weapon, but you can also switch to your default weapon, which is the cattle prod. Yeah, if you're feeling wacky. And it's pretty much useless unless you're fighting the little little guys i very rarely used it <laughs> like i use it on them a lot like the little uh what are they nick the gallimimuses the the yeah the gallimimuses they i don't want to waste any ammo on them if you sweep around you can usually get them pretty easily with it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's its only use because it's totally useless on bigger dinosaurs it has no range uh it has like a very small range but it does recharge and that's the the good part about it Sure, sure. And that button also then becomes your heavy weapons button if you hit select. And your heavy weapons are the shotgun. Yeah, kind of the most basic one. And it's all right. It takes two or three hits for, you know, raptors and stuff. So it's a little a little rough. Yeah. When you find its ammo, it just looks like a shotgun shell. There's the tranquilizer. And I didn't see this one as often. I saw it a few places, but I kind of avoided it. Yeah, because when you hit a dinosaur with them, they go to sleep. And Which is... Yeah, because not as good as <laughs> dead because they'll come back when you leave a room and re-enter it or an area. Yeah, but this is the only weapon that is effective against the T Rex. Yeah, that's its its big draw. And then finally, the MVP of the game is the rocket. Yes, and the rocket is it looks like a kind of like a weird goofy bomb, black and orange. Yeah, and it's yeah. a one hit kill on every other dinosaur. Yeah, so it's it was my go to weapon for pretty much the entire game. Yeah, well, I alternated that with uh, the. Let's go through the alternate weapons. Uh, there's the gas grenade. It's also yeah. a knockout thing and really hard to aim. It bounces and doesn't go far. Pretty much useless. Yep. Barely used it. But the other alternate weapon, the one I used the most, was the bolas. Yeah, they're they're another great weapon because, you know, it shoots out these little bolas and they're pretty wide. That's its key factor. Uh, aiming in this game is not the easiest in first person. And, oh, no. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the three metal balls spinning take up. I'd say two, twice as much space as uh, a rocket. And, I mean, at least in the overhead portions, you when you shoot this and it hits enemies, it will not stop. It will keep going. So It, it also works that way in the first person. Okay. I, I think I got it to work once. <laughs> okay, nice. Not on purpose, but I was like, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so I was usually going back and forth between the bolas and the rockets. Yeah, same here. And when you get them, you have a little uh, on your HUD. It shows you which weapon you have selected. And yeah. a representation of the ammo that I don't understand. Yeah, you can have up to four, right? Four little kind of icons. Yes, but you but can have a lot more than four bullets or rockets. I have no idea how that works because you, you don't seem to have a maximum amount of ammo. No. 
So, you know what I mean? I just kept picking up rockets and rockets and I never paid attention to the ammo and it never went down. So, but if you do get down to like your last three, then it shows it's like you're at three, two, one, none. Yeah, it'll start depleting. I don't know exactly. I don't know. It would have been nicer to just have a numerical representation, I think. Agreed. Because I did run out of Bola ammo quite often, actually, because it was my, you know, the first thing I, I would go through. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, the nice thing is, is that when you do pick up a set of ammo, it switches you from one gun to the other, but you can just go pick up the old ammo and it will go back to that and you haven't lost any of it. Yeah, that's really awesome because especially in the first person shooting scene, sometimes, you know, there's a shotgun or something. I don't want it, but there's no way to get around it. So mm -hmm. you can at least back up and pick up your, the real weapon. Because in first person scenes, you walk over an item and it's automatically added to your inventory. Whereas in the overhead scenes, there is a dedicated pickup button for ammo, health, those kinds of things. Yeah, a little weird, I thought. Weird choice. Indeed. And almost all those weapons work the exact same way, you know, between the two modes of gameplay. Mm -hmm. The only difference is you do have to pick them up when you're in overhead. And there's a couple other items you can get when you're out and about in the world or in levels. Uh, out and about in the world, you're also going to find health kits. Yeah, you'll see not a ton of them in the overhead area exactly, but they just fill your life up all the way. Which is super needed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are very rare one-ups you'll find. Yeah, yep. Those do exactly what you think. And again, you see that you have four health, but you can go above that and it'll just stack those lives. Oh, it does. I wasn't sure about the one up. So I always like I kept myself at well, five lives or whatever. You know, you're in the first person sections. You know how it's like you have space for four life icons. So I would just top myself off to there because I, I didn't want to waste any one ups, you know. Mm -hmm. And then on the overhead map, you also find eggs. Yeah, there's. How many are there, like 18? There are 18 eggs. Okay, yeah, and that's kind of one of your subquests is to find these 18 eggs scattered around the island. And when you do pick one up, Dr. Ian Malcolm will let you know how many are left. Yeah, he loves eggs. He does. Now, a huge portion of this game in the first-person mode is finding correct key cards to get into new areas. Yeah, you'll be finding quite a few of them, pretty much one for, and they're all named after characters from the movie, Yep. And you just pick them up by walking over them. And then once you have them, they automatically unlock any door that they would, they're supposed to when you get to it. Yeah. If you don't have the correct card, it just warns you, you cannot enter, you need so-and-so's key card. Yeah. Which would be nice if, you know, because you can go to the door and it'll say, you need Dennis Nedry's key card. Okay, fine. So I'll come back with it. I wish there was a little message where it'd be like key card used or something, because if you haven't been there yet, you wouldn't even know, you know, that that was a locked door. Exactly. And there are two more items you'll find in a first person mode. And one is a turkey leg. Yeah. Restores some health. Yes. And the battery. Mm. Important for the first person mode because you need it to power your night vision goggles. Which I think you're just wearing all of the time anyways. When you are in first-person mode. That seems to be the way the, at least the way your screen is presented. It looks like you're looking through some sort of viewfinder. Mm -hmm. And it looks just like a, a AAA battery or AA yeah. battery sitting on the ground. <laughs> and once you have it, then you can enter the blacked out uh, rooms and you will see them in the green night vision mode. Yeah. And if you don't have the goggles charged, as soon as you walk in, you just hear dinosaur sounds and die. Oh, really? Like it's auto death? I think so. At least that's how it seemed the one time I did it on accident. <laughs> like, and how long do these, these just last for 
So you leave the first person area or they I think they work in that building every time you come and leave it. Oh, well, okay. Because I never got the batteries a second time in a building. Yeah, yeah, me either. That makes sense, yeah. And finally, you know, once you die, you start again at the last entrance that you came in or out of. Mm -hmm. And you still have all your ammo, it seems. Yeah, and you it's kind of strange because you start with five lives. And when you continue, the first time you'll, you'll come back with four. And then the second continue, you'll come back with three. And then that's it. All right. Now, in addition to the doors, you will see you can also respawn at these motion sensors that are scattered around the park. And they look like a kind of telephone pole. Yeah, yeah. Those are, and it's one of your quests to like turn them on. Once you do that, that will, so you can respawn there, but that will also activate your personal motion sensor. That makes a whole lot of sense too. And that's how you can see what the enemies are around you. And you couldn't early in the game. Yeah, you do. You get a little kind of circular radar, and it'll have yellow dots for items. I think red dots for dangerous dinos, and then there are some sort of gray dots. I think are just the the harmless gallimimuses or whatever. Okay, they're not harmless. They will still attack you. Oh yeah, but they're not as bad as the full on death of a raptor. No, no, sir. And then real quickly, I do want to point out that to beat this game, you must complete eight separate objectives. Yeah, which is a lot, especially because they don't really tell you. It's a little unclear. Well, yeah, the game itself does not. <laughs> like, you're just wandering around. So, And uh, those real quick are to turn on the generator, reboot the computer system, uh, mm-hmm. stop the raptors from entering the visitor center, clear the ship of dinosaurs, collect all the raptor eggs, use the satellite link to keep the ship in the harbor. I thought that was Nedry's job. Uh, <laughs> destroy the raptor nest with a nerve gas bomb. Yeah. Pretty intense. Call the mainland for a ride. And then finally, you have to get to the helipad. Yeah. You can do them almost in any order. But if you don't do all of them, you will not be rescued by that helicopter. Yeah. So it's it's semi-nonlinear. I, although, due to the fact that you constantly need X key card and that key card is in a certain place, like there's definitely a best way to go about it. True. Very much indeed. Well, Nick, this is Jurassic Park, a summer tentpole, but not an animated film. So I know there's not a lot of drawn artwork. Did this uh, manual also rely on lots of screenshots then to get its message across? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Um, this, this, my friend, it's one of the best manuals I've seen in a while. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like 29 pages, and it's got like eight different sections where the pages are kind of color-coded to where it's like weapons, blah, blah, blahs, and different things. Like, it really reminded me of reading Nintendo Power. It's just kind of got that very busy design philosophy. All right, cool. It is in color. It's got a couple actual movie stills, as well as weapon and dinosaur hand-drawn art. Fancy. Yeah. It does kind of go through the story. It's just the movie premise, basically. Things are going bad. You're Dr. Grant again, and you have to fix some stuff to get off the island. And Um, does it give you the objectives you need to finish the game? Yeah, it kind of goes through them in order, too. So that could help a lot. (laughs) um, And like I said, it goes through all your weapons and items, and it does. It has the controls. It has a map, which is pretty useful because it can at least tell you what all the buildings are called that you're inside. So you don't get lost when they're like, go to the North Utility Shed. And you're like, the what? Where? Right. Yeah, that is super handy. So, I mean, that helps. It tells you about the, you know, your motion sensors. Um, 
Which I forgot to mention also, whenever you touch one of those, you get a weird message from one of the movie characters. Hmm. And it'll be like, hey, uh, you know, give you some tips on dinos. You get some from Dennis Nedry, the Newman guy, right? And he yep. lies to you. He tells you things like, don't worry, the, the spitters attacks will heal you or other BS. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Does he ever go, nah, nah, nah. You didn't say the magic word. He's like, see, nobody cares. But yeah, and it goes through all, you know, dinosaurs, obstacles, hints, things like that. Um, it's, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good manual. It's not, there are a few things I would have liked to explain better. Like, for example, when it goes through the items, th there's, <laughs> there's a section where, you know, it's listing each item and showing you a picture of it. And then it says bonus points. And it's like, collect these to get bonus points. But there's no item pictured. <laughs> so I was like, did they take that out or something? Like, yeah, I don't remember any sort of item for bonus points. There was a number floating around sometimes where I was like, is that my points? What is this? Hmm, yeah, maybe. I mean, you do have that big score. It's yeah, it's in your H, your your heads up display. And then it's like top center of your little. But I didn't really did it give me a free life or anything. First person view. I was hoping for one, but no, I, yeah. Oh, it's just there for the end when you get to put your name in. I think so, yeah. So, Lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, does this have a place to record that score? I don't think so. It does have some hints at the end, but one thing I wanted to mention is that uh, in the control section, it does point out that you can play this game with the Super Nintendo mouse. Oh, I was going to mention that too. I totally forgot. But actually, only the first-person shooter segments. Yeah. Which So would you yeah. just have to like swap it in and out, or I don't know? Uh, well, uh, it's you plug it into the second port, and you can... That could have been kind of cool, but yeah. probably not. <laughs> but yeah, I think all in all, it's a pretty pretty solid manual. Rock on. So, Nick, what was your personal history with Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo? I, I did not have one. I'm pretty sure I saw this in a Nintendo Power somewhere, but never played it. Playing this game unlocked a memory for me that at some point, either I rented it or a friend and I rented this game. Okay. And I remember the overhead areas. I remember getting to one of the buildings and being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Because, of course, sure. the rental did not have this objective list with it. Right, right. And so we just like, you know, dorked around for a while and that was it. Yeah, I could see that. What was your more recent experience with this game, Jurassic Park, for the Super Nintendo, Nick? Well, I, I beat it. Um, I cheated mildly more than I think I needed to. Yeah, same here, but uh, I also did beat it. It took me forever, though. Oh, yeah? I just, I kept thinking I was close to the end, and I'd be like, oh, I'll just play some more a little bit later, and then I'd play for a while, and I'm like, I just, I don't know, man. Something about this game, just, uh, I couldn't take more than like an like a like a 30 40 minute chunk because i was staring at those maps the whole time back and forth back and forth okay okay but yeah i saved every time i went into like a building yeah i, I did a lot of precautionary saves that weren't really necessary i did not beat this in one sitting that's for certain um because that's that's one thing about this game is there's there's no password or save and it you know it's you can do it in a couple hours but it has to be in one sitting and that's that's kind of rough very much so welcome to jurassic park all right, folks, this is it, the general chat portion of our show. And I would just like to start by saying that if you like creeping around corners very slowly and shooting at blobs in the distance, then this <laughs> is the game for you. It's those first person sections are kind of weird. Like I was kind of I was a surprised that they were there. <laughs> yes. 
and it's, it was like on the Super Nintendo, like it does not look great. No. But I was kind of impressed, like where I was like, I can't believe they had this many like textures for backgrounds and stuff. And the animation, the movement is, is nice. It's smooth. It's not bad. It's just monotonous. It is, um, you know, and while I can't speak to the mouse for this, when you're walking through with your D-pad, you cannot strafe, which is a big part of a lot of first-person, sh- at least my movement in first-person shooting games, so. Yeah, well, I mean, strafing was, uh, you know, I don't think it was there for Wolfenstein 3D. Right, right. But by the time you got to Quake, it was yeah. an integral part of the first-person shooter movement scenario. So that was kind of a... a time warp for me like going back to like oh whoa or it's like you got to enter a room and then turn and hopefully you know see the dinos but in general i found it to be while slow it was pretty easy the dino you have to be a lot closer than you might think from the size of their sprites before they yeah. even react you know and i mean part of that is my problem with it is that it's not hard it's just like you just got to creep creep around a corner l- slowly tap your controller back and forth to get that exact pixel on because it's very hard to line up your shot well if you use the l and r buttons it will turn you less i hate you for telling me that now so uh, that that helps to aim a lot so i was just doing tappa 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 and I, well it, it has a like like there's some times where i was just like i can't like uh, until i saw in the manual it was like yeah use your l and r buttons and i was like oh okay because I, I was like i don't know how the hell i'm supposed to hit this thing where bolas we are or trying to like back up and change your angle to be like all right maybe it'll be on one of my 16 points of orientation now yeah yeah but it's just um it's very like you said you're never really in danger of getting attacked by a dinosaur unless it's one hiding right around a corner yeah that's generally where it's like open the door is there a dinosaur right there if not or the spitters you know they'll come at you sometimes but mm-hmm. generally it was it was pretty easy and at least in the all the buildings you know the the life power ups and things all respawn when you leave so yeah and there's plenty of them thank goodness yeah yeah and when you go into a dark room with your dark vision goggles dark vision goggles we're in D&D now uh, with your <laughs> night vision goggles the you know it's always the same thing where you walk in and there's one dinosaur like waiting to jump at you yeah, pretty much. So it, once you're ready for that, those it takes the bite out of those rooms as well. Yeah, there's it's purely just like a key to restrict your access to different areas. You know, I force you to look around, find that battery and make sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you said, um, it is kind of impressive that there are a lot of different backgrounds or textures used for walls in these first person levels. My biggest problem is that they restrict them to being in each building. Yeah. So when you're in a building, you're going to be seeing the same wall a lot. Pretty much, yeah. And if you lose your orientation, I mean, my first person mapping skills from this era, I'm sure like at the time I would have been able to do it no problem. But my brain now just has a really hard time remembering like, wait, what room is I, am I in of this maze of rooms? <laughs> I Okay, so when I would get into those, I would try to get as far as I could without looking at a map. And I, I could generally hold most of a building in my mind. With certain exceptions, because there's like, you know, like you said, they all look very, they're very sameish, and you can get a, a room with like four entrances and you're coming in like, ah, oh, geez, I don't know where the heck I am. Because you don't have your directional orientation, you know, it doesn't tell you you're facing north or. Yeah, and that would have gone a long way to help that out. Yeah, yeah. But generally, I found, you know, when you have to backtrack and go back to 
a previous building. I was like, all right, I have to look at it. I don't remember where the door I, you know what I mean? I would remember I need Jeff Goldblum's key card here, but yes. I don't know where, you know, where I'm like, well, when I find it, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go back there, but I'm not going to blunder through this thing again. Although all the dinosaurs stay dead. So that is nice. That is super nice. Uh, unless you gas them and then they'll be awake again. So don't ever gas them. Yeah. Yeah. Now the overhead portions uh, actually were my favorite. And I, if this was the whole game, I would have been totally fine with that. Yeah. And uh, the way that your cattle prod worked, it kind of made me wish that there was a, a, a Ghostbusters game oh, like yeah. this well, for yeah. Super Nintendo. Because it does have a little power meter, right? Like you yeah. have to recharge it slightly after each shot. And, you know, uh, fighting dinosaurs in this version is all right. It's it's a little weird because most of it's just reaction. You know, it's like, oh, uh, Raptor jumps out and you got to shoot it quickly. Yeah. And that is the big thing is that Raptors on the overhead map always respawn. Yeah, yeah, and they will, um, a lot of times, you know, they'll sneak up to you, you'll just be walking out of a bush or sometimes up a face of a cliff, this thing will jump up and, you know, it can do a lot of damage really quick if you're if you're not fast. But I really did love the graphics of all the dinosaurs in the overhead version. I think the overhead version looks great, like... You I have kind of a goofy jump. Yeah, yeah. Because you do like a, a both, it's like a long jump. <laughs> like you both your feet go forward. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm with you there. And I think it's... Uh, you know, at its core, I'm like, I, this is, at least to me, you know, I haven't seen it as many times or as recently as yourself, but the Jurassic Park movie, I, f- I feel like this is a little closer to the spirit of it, where it's like we're going around this island trying to do whatever to get off, you know, not just murdering things. Yeah, yeah. There's at least some like start the computers. and Yeah, no, I, I feel like I uh, agree. It, it definitely has the spirit of like, OK, this is what you have to do to reactivate things to get off the island. And that was cool. And the overhead sections really made me like wish there was kind of more of them. Yeah, or I don't I mean, I'm sure that the first person sections was just more of a like this is new and impressive, I guess, for a console. And honestly, I think it probably was easier to program at the time. It may be, but, I, you know, I was like I would have preferred just more overhead just inside, you know? Right. Agreed. And while I said easy, I don't mean easy to get the tech to work because it was running all on mode seven. But I mean, once you have the framework, it's like a doom engine where it's like you just draw the map and add textures to the walls. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I loved slash hated in this game is that as you're just like out and about, you get these like fun little info pop ups. Oh, what? Mr. DNA or? Well, Mr. DNA only happens when you're um, paused. Yeah. And oh, those yeah. are great. You get some wonderful dino uh, fun facts. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're just like out and about, Hammond will be like, hey, uh, don't shoot these dinosaurs. They'll stampede or yeah. stuff like that. And while that's super cool, that graphic takes up the whole screen. Yeah, it is translucent, but barely. And the action, like you're still about to get trampled. Yeah, you, it really takes a lot to like, all right, focus on what's going on. Like if, if there's say creatures or sometimes you know one of these like things you're supposed to jump over these like patches of vines like that's the only time i got hurt by those was because that would come up and i'd be like whatever and then walk right over one like oh crap and sadly i would just like dismiss them instantly tap my shoulder buttons to get rid of it yeah i would try to i was like get this thing off of here (laughs) so i never had to read like most of them because i just didn't want to be dot i didn't want to be prone to attacks from some unknown creature I think that is maybe the only way the game tries to communicate the objectives is sometimes they'll be like, turn on the power or, you know, there's certain messages you won't get until you've completed others. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the portraits in the game are awesome. They do a good job of trying to like convey the characters from the movie. Yeah, yeah I think they did a good, great job. 
and I and like we said, the graphics are all great outside. It's just the inside graphics from the first person that until the dinosaur is right upon you, <laughs> it is just a a color blob. Yeah, it's a pixelated blob. And unfortunately, there's I think it's in the when you're killing them in the boat where the background oh, is almost the, the same rust? color. <laughs> yes. I, oh my, I was just going to bring that up because there is a level where the backgrounds are this like rusty orange that are the same color as the raptors. Yeah. Now, so. once you're inside, you only find raptors and spitters, right? Yeah, yeah. And then outside you have the gallum, gallimimuses, you've got uh Yeah, those spitters, are the, raptors, the big herd ones. Yeah, around the visitor center, right? Yes. Yeah. You've got the little tiny cappy ones. And then you have the big boy, the Triceratops. Do you? Where is he? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, there, no. I, yeah, I, I think there's two of them. Yeah, but you can't, you can't kill or attack it. No, it's just certain corridors and uh, where you're like, quote unquote, corridors down through the forest where you'll be walking. And then all of a sudden, here comes this Triceratops. And your only defense is to get out of its way. Which I, I like that. I think that's a cool idea. And I like the fact that you can't just attack it. I, I agree. I think it's cool. And you get the... There's... Pachycephalosauruses too, the little ram head guys. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. There are a few of them. And, but I usually, I mean, the the thing is, is some of those outdoor ones, you, if they're not running straight at you, they're pretty easy to dispatch from a distance with your rocket launcher or bola. And, um, you know, and the surprise raptor attacks are not as bad once you have your motion sensor thing on because you can see, like, okay, here's a, you, you know, where you're like, there should be a monster on the screen, but I can't see it. So heads up, there's something's going to jump out. Or once you've just been through the area once. Yeah. Yeah. Because they always jump out from the exact same spot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And if you're quick with a lot of them, you can just run away. Yeah. Yeah. Which I always I chose running away if I could, because I was never sure. I thought, of course, just like that last one, I was going to have to use a bunch of rockets somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Which you never will. No, there's no boss encounters or anything. and Which is another kind of a bummer. Like, I kind of wished that there was some smarter raptors in the first-person shooters or something that was like a boss fight. Yeah. Instead, it's just, you know, you finish an objective and move on to the next. Yeah. I Although, to be honest, man, I can't imagine trying to fight a boss in that first-person. <laughs> get me tough. That's true. It, yeah. But, hey. What about the music? Um, it's I, interesting. I really yeah. like the music. Some of it is really good. But then, like, where is it? Is it inside where it just kind of goes away? It's more just sound. It's like a light soundtrack, not like a, yeah. a bunch of music. A lot of them, uh, listening to them outside the game, where it's a lot of them have like a 30-second wind-up, and you know, or it's just kind of a slight beat and some ambient sounds. And then, you know, you get some kind of funky, groovy tunes that come in that I really enjoy. Yeah, I really like the outside the music when you're outside. It, it is very good. But inside, it's pretty sparse. And my biggest problem with the sound of the inside is that you constantly hear dinosaur noises that aren't in the room. Yeah, you hear them through walls, which... You know, that worked in Zelda 1 because there was the boss making it. But when all, you know, where you're, you know, and you don't have the reaction time to turn that quickly. So it can be frightening where you're like, oh, crap, there's a dinosaur. And you start slowly spinning around. And nope. Nope, not now. Not I guess here. it's in the next room somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what my favorite music thing was of all, actually. Was it the elevator? It's the elevator. <laughs> I love that when you get in the elevators, it has elevator music. Two, two elevator music tracks. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 
And, you know, I think they did the best they could with the elevator. It's a little awkward that you have like one button to go up and down and then yeah. select to leave the elevator. Yeah. And that's, I mean, not specifically elevators, but sometimes that can be a tricky part of those first person areas is just trying to get through a door. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. If you don't hit it at the right angle, you just bounce off of it, even though it opens up. Yeah, it opens up automatically when you get close. So you go to walk through, but it's like, oh, I missed it. You see it close and you're like, I mean, normally I wasn't like running for my life or anything. It was just kind of frustrating. Okay, guys and gals, this is it. The level by level portion of our show. But sadly, this game doesn't have levels. It has objectives and buildings, which I think is how we're going to tackle this a bit. Yeah, honestly, there's not a great deal of variety in the actual gameplay of the various levels. So no, uh, let's quickly talk about your map, the overhead map of the overhead world. Yeah. And while we did complain that you don't do a ton on the overhead map, it is fairly large. Yeah, I. You know, for my personal taste, I, I would have liked a smaller sprite to give me a little more room for reaction, mm -hmm. but it looks good. The jungles are pretty detailed plant life. Uh, my biggest complaint is that most of the space of this map is really taken up with kind of uh, long branching paths to lead you to another egg. Yeah, yeah. And then amongst this map are one, two, three, four, five buildings. Correct. And mainly you're using it to get from one building area to another. Yeah, because, you know, and the map is kind of divided up by some rivers that you can't cross. You got a lot of like the electrified fences and such so that you want to. And a river you can cross that they don't really explain to you that you can't. There's yeah, there's one that you can just jump over. <laughs> I know. Even though there are other thinner, like, okay, this looks like a river with no water in it, say, like an arroyo or something or a small drainage mm -hmm. ditch. It is thinner than the one you can jump across, but you cannot jump across. It. No. But you start off by the gate to Jurassic Park, right? Yes. Which is kind of in the middle. And right away, you can see this other gate you can't open. So there's really only one way to go. South to the new bar utility shed or new blar, because I've seen it written both ways in the walkthroughs. Nublar. Yeah, and one, okay, the buildings here, as you go around, one of the things I do like that don't really help much, but I feel like they could, is that you get these little signs where it's like, Tyrannosaurus this way, or, you know, and they, they actually look pretty on model for looking like it was in the Jurassic Park, you know? Mm -hmm. Just little touches I like. Agreed. And the buildings look good. They look like they do come out of the film, like they're the various paddocks and whatnot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So your first objective is to turn on the generator. Yeah. And you have to do that in the shed, that new new bar, new blar utility shed. <laughs> yes, yes, to the south. And I mean, basically, you just have to get in there, find the batteries, find the computer. And a couple of these rooms do have computers. They have a weird little system of like fake operating system. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because, you know, you have a couple options. You know, it lets you open. There are like three gates on the island and only one can be open at any given time. And you, there is a way you can check. It'll tell you. And, and this is something that's kind of frustrating for me, too, given that, you know, I was saving and coming back. Was that you're like, hey, what ID cards do I have? You probably don't remember, but you can check them on the computer screen. Yeah, you should be. You should have been able to check them in your menu screen. Yeah, I, that doesn't exist. Well, and, you know, we kind of talked about the goggle view that you have in the first person shooting, right? Mm hmm. But that, that is a small screen. <laughs> like, so there's a lot of room that they could have put 
plenty of things like your cards, whether or not oh, yeah. your, your night vision goggles are charged. Yeah, I'm guessing that they have such a small bit of uh, screen real estate because it's easier to render the first person area. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I, <laughs> I wish I had those key cards displayed as well. It would be nice. Oh, the other fun fact is that you can change the background pattern on the computer. Yeah, yeah. It's weird tessellations. Well, yeah, they actually, I, I forgot to mention in the manual, they talk about this where they're like, these are called fractals and they blah, blah, blah. And they somehow that's like connected to Ian Malcolm. You know what I mean? I was going to say, theory. is that part of his chaos theory? Yeah. Uh, uh, dinosaurs and uh, uh, uh. <laughs> life will find a way. It will. <laughs> so once you have that, you need uh, Nedry's ID card. Yeah. Now that the, the generator's on, you can head north. There was a gate that was... North of the actual Jurassic Park gate, there's a, a little mechanism then, that's weird where you open a it's gate. It's confusing. It's like, first you have to turn on the power, of course, and then there's a little like... Gearbox thing? Yeah, a gear that you have to shoot with a rocket to spin it, and that will open... Oh, you can shoot it with anything. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Especially your... I thought you were supposed to use your electric gun on it, but that only opens it like while it's getting hit. Oh, so you have to really jam on it like... So you have to like run and like, you know... It's almost impossible to get through. So until uh -huh. I found out about the rocket trick, I was like, this is insane. I see. Okay. But once you hit it with a rocket, it just opens all the way up easily. Yeah. And it will close eventually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to get that ID card, you have to get down to the visitor center, right? Oh, no. It's from the sh what shed? The beach utility shed. Yeah, which is uh, strange because there is a beach where there's a boat. But that's not the, where the beach utility shed is. Right. In fact, it's on the opposite side of the island. You have to go through a pretty twisty forest maze. Um, where, th where there's no water. No water at all. And then eventually you can make it out to a little shed. You might have been able to see it mm -hmm. from, from earlier where we would, uh, went south. But this is on the other side of a fence and you can get in there now. And I'm not going to lie. I don't remember what the inside of any of these buildings look like unless it's the ship or the visitor center. <laughs> they all just kind of blur together for me. They Well, you know, they are. It's like there are three different utility sheds. So what you going to do, you know? I feel like they should have named one of them or two of them not utility shed. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. Or forest shed. <laughs> I don't know. But um... how about you forest utility bunker? Yeah, yeah, that works. Either way, once you have Ned Nedry's ID card, you have to get to the visitor center. And this is, you know, the iconic location that uh, many scenes from the movie take place in. Mm -hmm. And looks pretty, at least from the outside, I think it looks good. Yeah, and it is a big building, though. That is for sure. Yeah, you don't, I don't think you have access to all of it yet, but this is the big one of the, the levels. This is the ship. Yeah, and this one by far has the most confusing layout, I think. Oh, yeah, and it, it's it's three levels with a roof. Yeah, so, and, and I, I, this and one. three I, elevators? <laughs> separate ones? I unashamedly used the map for this one, definitely. Oh, I unashamedly used the map for every portion of this game. I was trying, I, Okay, so here's a little inside baseball for our listeners. Um, we play Dungeons and Dragons online, and recently, if you haven't, I'm sorry to out, you added us as nerds <laughs> to all these these fine folks that listen. It's they never would have guessed. We need to stand up and be counted. And this uh, recently, our dungeon master started using this dynamic lighting system to where you could only see what your character could truly see. According Which, if you're their... listening, Dungeon Master, I'm not a huge fan of, even though I know you are. <laughs> I, it's all right. But because of that, I felt like my 
mental mapping skills because I was really, I've really been like, all right, now we'll go through here. I think this bends around to here, you know. So I, I felt it was kind of like practice for that. And, and it worked out for the most part. But once you get off the f- ground level in this, you know, the, well, really the first or second level, however you want to look at it, in the visitor center is so confusing because it's so many small rooms, one door. They, they all look, ugh, they're the same size and shape. So it can be quite a mess. Yes, agreed. Uh, this is a very confusing area. At least it looks nice. Yeah. I, well, this is one of the areas where I was like, wow, there's a, a cafe and a, refri- a refrigerator. Like, uh, There's a, a room, uh, a kitchen. Yeah, it's, it's, it was awesome. Like, I was really surprised that these aren't just, you know, blank rooms. And I think that if the other areas had this kind of varied look to the er- various rooms in them, it would be easier for me to navigate. Oh, sure. Yeah. The other ones are all just the same. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, wait, no, I finally found a room with a computer in it. It's slightly different. But yeah. when you're in this uh, visitor center, you just have to get to the second floor. There's a computer there. And then you just click uh, boot on it. Yeah, you reboot it. You, yeah. You got to get the motion sensors turned on. Uh, then you make it to the roof. You have to get Hammond's ID. And with that, you can get the batteries out of the basement. Yeah. Then you can get your dark vision or your night vision goggles uh, and get Grant's ID. And then get out of there. Yeah. And then, well, next we go to the Raptor Pen, right? Oh, yes. The Raptor Pen. Which is a little northeast of the visitor center. To get there, there is a bridge, you, a weird bridge you activate by hitting one of those gearboxes and it slides over the water. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. And then you are, you, you can see the Raptor Pen. This is pretty cool where it's like it's all locked off and there's some dense jungle inside. And you actually go up to the top and enter and then head down into it. Yeah, it's cool, too, because once you're in there and you like go down a level, w- once you get to the ground floor, you can see like the faux jungle through the windows. Yeah, and it's I really want to <laughs> give them credit for it being a, a kind of, a, you know, a hollow square, so to speak, like the actual building where you'd be going around and the, you know, it's the raptors are in the center. Mm-hmm. Now, this level uh, does have tons of raptor murdering. Oh, yeah. And it's all about finding those batteries again. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you you got to <laughs> get uh, you use them to find uh, Ian Malcolm's ID card. Yeah. And then to Muldoon's ID card. And is Muldoon the hunter? I think guy? so. Yeah. He's who you should have been in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the big part of this whole level is you're getting all these ID cards. You got to get Grant's ID card, all these things, because at the very bottom of it, there is a door and there is a weird box in the middle of the room. yeah this is weird where because you know while it does tell you in the manual i think where it's like stop the raptors from entering the visitor center and you're like what how this doesn't make sense but you do find a room where yeah there's a huge box and there's a door near it (laughs) and then like a hole yeah and you just like touch the box and it's like blink you've locked the hole yeah it tells you that but i'm like i could clearly walk in there but if you say so now if you don't block it and you go in that room though it is full of raptors nice so Watch out. But, uh, you know, if you block that, that's one you've now completed yet another objective. And the cool part is there's another elevator in here that will take you to the visitor center. Dun, dun, dun. And I wish more of these buildings had like shortcuts to the other buildings. But at the same time, it would have taken away like the <laughs> biggest pleasure of this game, which is walking around outside. Yeah. All right. Well, once you make it your way out of there, out of the visitor center, you have to kind of run around and just collect some more IDs. Oh, it's all about the IDs. You got to go to the uh, beach utility shed. And now you have some IDs that will let you get to new areas to get more IDs. Run around. Yeah, that's, all of- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my other big problem in this game is that's like the core loop of gameplay. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's something I normally like, but I wish I was collecting weapons or power-ups or something, not just ID cards, you know? Yeah. I mean, it is the problem with all of the early first-person shooters. Yeah. But once you've done that housekeeping, you can move on to the mountains. Yeah, there's the mountains over by the water to the east. And they can be a little tricky because the spitters show up long before you can hit them. Yeah, yeah. And um, I personally would frequently get lost here because, like, the you have some really good-looking cliff rocks. I really like the way they look, but the stairway sections, like, blend in so much that... They are rough to to pick out. I would, you know, I'd be like walking around like, where the heck am I supposed to go? And then, you know, I I don't know. It's just tough to keep an eye out for sometimes. Once you learn it, not so bad, but it is is kind of a weird design choice. And now you just have to get to that ship. And the ship has another one of those uh, gates you got to hit with a rocket to open it up or move the walkway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, On the ship, it's just, you know, get those batteries, go find some more ID cards. But there's a computer you have to activate. Yeah. And then from it, you request security level one. Yeah, you can change your, you can get up to security level two. You can only request them from certain computers. This is the only one that will give you that security here, unfortunately. But then you have to leave and go all the way back to the visitor center. (laughs) And then you gotta, gotta, you know, I think that's where you get the security level. You just had to have Dr. Wu's card to get there. Mm, Yeah. But from the visitor center, you've got a security level, then you have to go to the Raptor pen. And there... It's just like, that's my problem is there's so many of these like loops and that's where the computer is that will call the ship or tell it to stay in the dock. Yeah, yeah. And then you can go back to the ship. And and the ship is where it's like on each level, it'll tell you like there are 12 dinos remaining. I kind of wish it did that in every level. It was my most fun where I was like, I was actually like, no, I'm hunting. I've got to go get them all, you know, give me a little extra objective. But you actually do have to kill them all to beat the game. So, yeah. Uh, Once you have done that and you've cleared out the ship, then you move on to the raptor's nest. Although you do have to use the ship computer to open the gate one, and that's how you get to the raptor pen. Like I think again, or the it's also confusing. There's the nest and the pen are different. Okay, that's how you get to the nest. I'm sorry. And then the raptor nest is a whole new area you haven't really been to yet. Yeah, it's over to the northeast of the raptor pen itself. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's another little, admittedly smaller uh, kind of jungle maze. I know there's a T Rex. I had a T Rex encounter up here, so be careful. I think this is the only T Rex encounter, right? I I saw another one in the very far bottom left of the map one time, and it okay. was by it was by one of those weird letters, if I remember right. Okay. And I thought that had something to do with the dinosaur, so I was like, man, anytime you see a letter, stay away because a T Rex is coming at you. Nope. <laughs> he likes I, I tried to pick those letters up a lot. I was like, can I pick this letter up? Well, I thought I maybe know. they were like a warp or something, where it's like this connects to this part of the map, or you know. Yeah. I had no idea. No, just, just there to be confusing. I'm, I'm glad you figured that out. Cause <laughs> and so once you're in the raptor's nest, it is not, uh, you know, a building. So it's it's kind of a jagged edged weird area, but it is full of raptors. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Um, and it's it has there are two entrances, so you can go in and out. Um, but they're both. I don't know. This was just a long like just kill them all, man. And then eventually you'll get to the egg room. Yeah, where there's a big egg, uh, or no, there's a bunch of little eggs, and then as soon as you walk into a certain point, it's like you drop the nerve gas. And it says, get out of here. Yeah, it's like, hurry. But there's no timer or, or anything. <laughs> Thank God, because I, 
Yeah, because getting out is kind of confusing as well. It was, it's, this is really confusing because all of the walls have almost... I mean, they have completely identical textures, so good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but once you make it out of there, you can go back to the ship, use the computer on sub-level three to call for the chopper, and as long as you have gotten all the eggs mm-hmm. and done everything else, you can go to the helipad that is across the, the jumpable river section. Yeah, which I had already wandered over to early on. Same. But, you know, where I was like, all right, the big H, I know what this means. And <laughs> boy, once you get there... Hunker down for one of the best endings ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is truly a, a wondrous sight. Where it, it then switches to a Mode 7 rendering of the the, the Isle Nublar with a big uh, Jurassic Park logo of it and a flat Which sea. You've seen at the very beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. And then it uses that to kind of simulate a helicopter taking off that you cannot see. So I guess it's from your thing. Your viewpoint. Yes. And then it flies off and it says, you escaped Jurassic Park. Yes, you did. Uh, congratulations. You have escaped it. And then it gives you uh, credits. And it's a very short list of credits. Yeah. Which I was like, if this was the game they had the most people working on at Ocean, this is not a lot of people. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, and honestly, um, I know we're not in the review section yet, but when I saw Ocean, I was like, Ugh. they they give me the same kind of vibes as like THQ or where they're like, yeah, we, we make the notoriously bad license, license games, you know? Yeah. But this one, I was like, this actually, I mean, it's a little, it's weird, but I was like, this was a higher quality than I was expecting, actually. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, you do get to put in your initials or you get to put in five five letters if your name is five letters or less yeah or if you have five initials who knows or if you have five initials and and then it gives you one final different jurassic park logo and the top scores of the game and that is it mm-hmm. Finally, we are in the final portion of our show, the review portion. And of course, we use the classic Nintendo Power Review System that has four categories, each category a possible score from zero to five, starting with graphics and sound. And man, I was really, I didn't know where to go with this one. (laughs) I love half the graphics and greatly dislike half the graphics. So I cut it right down the middle and gave it a 2.5. Okay, I, I went a little higher. I went with a 4.0, but... I could go up to a 3. I mainly, I really like the music a lot, and I thought the first... There's not a ton of it. Is, uh, th- there's more than you would think, because it does this weird fade in and out, you know? Okay, well, I didn't notice a ton of it. Let's, let's start there. <laughs> but I, like, I agree, the music I did here, I did like, and I do uh, love the overhead graphics. Yeah, I, I loved everything about those, and while I don't think a first-person section was entirely necessary, um, I did. I was kind of impressed at the, the walls, the uh, textures and stuff. It was, I don't know, it was, it's not great, but it was, for its time, way better than I would have expected. I agree. It, it It's technically interesting, but it's just too repetitive for me. Mm-hmm. But bonus points for that elevator music, so I'm bumping <laughs> it up to a 3.0. Oh! Next up is play control, which I gave a 3.02 as well. Okay, yeah. I, I went with a 2.5, but I, I could see a 3.0 as well because I, I didn't think anything was really stood out, but everything was fine, you know? I, I never, the controls didn't hold me back. Yeah, overhead controls were perfect. I, there was nothing I couldn't do that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. First person, you know, it's of its time. There's no strafe because there's no strafe yet in those games. Yeah. 
and I felt like you know they the motion was smooth and that they they didn't distract me from achieving my goals. The only hard part was trying to get through doors if you were at a slight angle, and that that's just is what it is. If yeah, I think a lot of the weirdness controlling the first person stuff kind of gets a pass because you're in such little danger. Usually, it's not hard to all right. I can take my time here. And even though we didn't use it, bonus for adding that mouse support. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Next up is challenge factor. I was kind of torn on this one because... Uh, I, I agree, because I feel like it's not a hard game to play, but it's a hard game to know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't ask me to do anything that's truly difficult. It's just back and forth. And since there's no password or save system... Or way of, of knowing like what key you have and like remembering where to go with it. Yeah, I mean, you can check your keys, but you have to get to a computer. And you have to remember where a computer is. Yeah, yeah. So what'd you, what'd you give it? I give it a 2.5 because I was like, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around a little bit, but it asks so little of you in an action way, you know? I also gave it a 2.5 for pretty much the same reasons. It's not physically hard. It's just mentally hard. Yeah, yeah. And finally, we have theme and fun. I gave this a 3.0. I gave it a 2.5. Yeah. I really enjoyed the overhead sections. I didn't mind the first person sections at first. It's just that they are so repetitive and so slow. I think it kind of made me dread playing those sections. I see. I felt like those were like the relaxing times for me where I was like, all right, I don't even have to worry about getting hit. And I kind of liked it from an exploration sense, but it is like not just graphically, but the designs of certain maps are good. And the other ones are not where you're like, what is this? Uh, You know, so I don't know. But I think the sequence of objectives was kind of fun. And theme wise is a little closer to the movie. Definitely. It it definitely succeeds on that end of things. So in conclusion, I ask the same question I do every week. Should you, Nick, play this game? I don't know. Maybe it's it's not a horrible game. I would say it might be of our little uh, versus series or whatever you want to call it here, uh, comparing different titles across consoles. It's probably my favorite one we've we've done yet. I liked it better than either of the Aladdins, but I think I'm going to agree. But I mean, that's like there's nothing. There's, there's nothing not. There's awesome. not. That's not saying I love this game by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. I think like, uh, I will never go back and play this game. Yeah, me either. But if you are a big fan, I don't know. No, I, I think I would say try it out for like 10 minutes. Get into that first building. Yeah. Tool around. Be like, oh, wow, this is on the Super Nintendo. And that's yeah. kind of about all you need to, to know about this game. And if it if it sticks with you, maybe I you know what? OK, this game, I'll tell you what this game reminds me of is Friday the 13th for the NES, because it has a lot of really cool ideas. And while they're uh-huh. not as poorly implemented as, say, Friday the 13th, it's like they are still there. They're not used perfectly or in the best way. And for me, that that can pull me through. But I don't think most people would. You know, we'd be like, oh, neat idea. Yeah, Key all cards. I can say is. At least this uh, UK developer did not make a Jurassic Park game where each level is a giant hangar that I have to snake my way around from one <laughs> corner to the other. Mm. So I'll give him bonus points for that. But, you know, this is not something you need to, you know, if you really love Jurassic Park, check it out. If you're interested in the tech, check it out. But otherwise, this is the kind of thing you could totally watch a little bit of a playthrough and get a full feel of what it, this game has to offer. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's an apology to one of our longtime fans. Uh, Mark, I think he was excited about this one. Oh, <laughs> I like it, Mark. Uh, I just don't think most people would. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mr. Uh, Eugene Garcia. This was not one of our favorites. So hopefully it wasn't one of your childhood favorites as well.
Next week's game will be Gargoyle's Quest for the Game Boy. If you haven't played this game and you've always wanted to be the horribly annoying demon that <laughs> hurts you at the first chance and is usually the stopping point for many in the Ghosts and Goblins series, this is your chance. You now get to be that crazy little demon in a much more fleshed out and less punishing adventure. That's right. So find a copy of this game any way you can and play along, friends. Yes, yes. And uh, have you ever played this game with the Super Nintendo mouse? If you have, let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. And we'll log that. Does it make the first person levels just like a breeze? I'm guessing no, but who I, knows? Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> you can also get in touch with us at Cart Command on Twitter or Cartridge Command on the Facebook Averse. We love hearing from you folks, and we usually let you know when a new show uh, drops. Yeah. And of course, I must go out of my way to thank those awesome, wonderful, amazing folks that give to us every month at patreon.com slash cartridge command. It is their support that makes this show possible. Yes, they are all fine gals and guys. Gallimimuses? Gallimimuses, pachycephalosauruses. I don't care. What's your, what kind of dinosaur? You know, we asked last week what your favorite one was, but what dinosaur do you think you would be? Let us know. Indeed, do. <laughs> but also, if you don't already give to us, uh, think about it. You know, uh, every dollar helps us out. And we're just uh, a couple of guys that make this podcast in our spare time. So without you all, the show wouldn't happen. And we'd love to expand the Cartridge Command Empire. And it's only through your support that we could do so. So for those that do give, thank you so much. And those who are considering, please do. Yeah. And as always, Cartridge Commandos, game on! Game a lang on. Game me on. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Right all right. I am not far into the other game yet. Well game, what well game, what what Nick is what kind of Nick is Jurassic Park? Well Nick. <laughs>